Hello there. As 2023 draws to a close, I guess it's a traditional time of year for reflection before we look forward to another busy year. My guest in this episode is AWA's founder and managing director, Andrew Mawson, for a look back over the year and a few predictions and thoughts about what's coming in 2024. Let's get going. Welcome to AWA's podcast, which is all about the changing world of work and trying to figure out what's right for each organization, because we know that everyone is unique. We talk to people who have walked the walk, who've got the t-shirt, and who've learned lessons that they're happy to share with us. I'm your host, Karen Plum, and this is The DNA of Work. This time last year, I reflected that 2022 was the year we really made inroads into making hybrid working work. And for those that weren't able to make it work where they were, they looked elsewhere. It was hard to tell how much movement was associated with the Great Resignation, and it seems that we've heard less about that this year. On the podcast in 23, we focused a lot on how organisations were turning their attention to consolidating skills and leadership for the new way of working. Consolidation seems to have been a bit of a theme for me but also trying to get ahead of some of the issues that we could see coming, like the employment contract and succession planning. While these may not be top of every HR director's worry list, we are conscious that some organisations could be storing up trouble by not looking ahead. But as the end of 2023 was approaching, I talked to Andrew Mawson to get his thoughts on the year, and I've added in some highlights from the podcast to expand on the things he picked out. We started off by talking about 2023 as a whole. What were the things that really stood out for him? Well, I think um, 2023 really for me was, and for probably many people, was the year when AI became more than a couple of initials and people started to get some appreciation of what it might look like from things like chat gpt and claude 2 and, and all the other plethora of ai apps and i think initially people were really quite surprised and excited and then i think people had a go at it and maybe in some cases they were a little bit underwhelmed and of course there's a lot going on behind the scenes in the tech sector at the moment and these tools are becoming better and better and have access to more and more data and are learning as we go. So 23 for me was the time when AI really raised its head as a proper thing. And I think those of us who have been around the tech sector and the world of work for a while were intrigued by that and we spent a bit of time on it and, and kind of understand it reasonably well. But I think a lot of people in big organisations at the top level don't. I think they still see this as another bit of technology, which is a mistake for me because I think it's a potential game changer. And there's so many different dimensions to it. So AI was a big thing for me, I think. On the podcast, we talked about advances in AI during the summer. Here's our expert, Dr. Mike Jackson, talking about how the term is often misunderstood or misinterpreted. People often overestimate the capabilities of AI because although AI has made incredible advancements in the last few months particularly, it still lacks the comprehensive understanding and common sense reasoning that humans possess. It excels in specific domains and specialised tasks, but it struggles with generalisation and context awareness. 
There's also a misconception that AI systems like robots or computers have autonomous intelligence similar to human intelligence. However, AI systems are only as good as the data they are trained on. As I already said, they lack consciousness, self-awareness and independent decision making. Those are the main main reasons why it's misunderstood. I then think that um, people misunderstand when they see these people writing um, one-sided biased processes that says everybody's going to lose their jobs. That creates a concern that AI will replace people on a massive scale. I also think that people don't understand that robots can be as biased and unethical as we are, and that there's still a lot of work to be done to unbias and unfloor the data that they're using. Um, and that can perpetuate biases and discriminate in humans. And then lastly, people use science fiction, particularly things like the Terminator, to worry about malevolent or super intelligent entities that can take over the world. But I don't think that that is universal. I think there is a small body of people who think that because they think it's coming very, very quickly. Most people are not worrying about that day to day, in my opinion. We talked on that episode about the need for organisations and leadership teams in particular to really get on the AI journey so that they're able to judge the right time for things to ramp up for them. Here's what Andrew said in that episode. I do think that senior leaders should not be leaving the exploration of this kind of technology to their technology departments. They need to be learning much more about what this technology can do, how it can work. And and I think that right now they should be looking at their organisations and trying to preempt what these technologies may do in the context of their own business strategy. And they should also look at what the competition may do with these technologies in order to maintain their competitiveness. So, so I think I'd be doing that. And then I think finally, I'd just you know, make sure I'd take a look at every job and then start thinking about how I prepare for the evolution, because this shouldn't be a kind of a jerk. It should be a smooth evolution. Really, and the danger is that senior leaders don't really take it seriously, and as a consequence, don't prepare properly for the um, taking advantage of it and, and make it into a powerful, powerful tool. The key message really is: don't get left behind. Keep abreast of what's going on, even if you then decide to keep things on the back burner. Moving on from AI, what else has Andrew had his eye on during twenty twenty three? Here he turns to hybrid working and the challenges of the amount of space that many organisations are finding themselves occupying, which they now don't need. I think it depends where you are in the world as to what was then sort of interesting. I mean, I think some of the work we've been doing in India demonstrates very clearly that there's a huge growth in a number of cities, uh, particularly around the tech sectors and the the engineering sector. But on the other side of the coin, what I think we're also seeing is that in the UK and maybe in, in the US, in different parts of the US, leases, you know, a lot of organisations are sitting on leases. People are still not returning to a pre-pandemic work model, and I don't think they ever will. Um, but, you know, organisations have been working it out. Some, some leadership teams are still desperately trying to get everybody back into the office every day because that's the way they like to run the business and and other organizations i think have just uh, and most organizations i think have have, have recognized that this is the way 
things are going to be in the future and they're beginning to get their heads around how they they manage it and deal with it i think there are still plenty of organizations that have not really addressed it um you know in terms of how you manage an organization that is not uh, physically all together all the time but by and large i think that's beginning to move in the right you know in the right direction people are learning organizations are learning some people are actually doing more hybrid some are doing less but you know i think it's becoming pretty clear that physical connection has huge value at the right times for the right purposes but there's no need to do it every day kind of thing so we're kind of working that one out i think the other thing i see is a lot of organizations particularly uk us really just sitting on their space i mean most organizations if you look at our index data are sitting on probably i don't know maybe 40% more space than they really need at the moment and in some cases it's going to be more than that we looked at the conundrum of what organizations should do with the excess space that they find themselves carrying as a result of the move to hybrid working for mark gilbreth founder and ceo of liquid space Companies are at the stage where they need to be lopping off large pieces of their portfolios, what he calls the big chisel moment. At the risk of overgeneralizing, I think the vast majority of companies are in a big chisel moment. Reach for that biggest chisel because, you know, every one of you, with few exceptions, should be lopping off large pieces with that chisel of your portfolio. You probably don't need more sensors to monitor the fine elements of it. You probably have substantially more estate. The need for gathering and or concentrating together is going to call for. By default, you should be presuming, yeah, on that lease renewal, I'm going to be downsizing or not extending, right? That then leads to the follow-on discussion of, okay, what do I do? If it's not an end of lease and I want to downsize that portfolio, what other options do I have? Everybody should probably be embracing the current reality that your portfolio is too large. I guess the question that organisations have been grappling with is, will the pattern of working change? Will more people want to come into the office in the future? And therefore, if they get rid of space, will they be in trouble? AWA's Hybrid Working Index this year reported on results covering 150,000 people across 15 sectors and 22 countries and found that there's been a steady increase in office attendance. Here's AWA's workplace strategist, Josh Sumner. So we're seeing that kind of coming up to three years after the pandemic, on average, office workers are still spending less time in the office than out of it. So on average, office attendance is about 35%. So around one and three quarter days spent in the office per week. And that employees would prefer to be in the office midweek with nearly 80% of people working from home on a Friday. But underlying this, and perhaps the most interesting takeaway, is how attendance and desk use have developed over the past year. So we've seen a steady incremental increase in both attendance and desk use over the three index cycles. Um, in June 2022, attendance was around 26% on average. It's now at 35%, as I mentioned. And this increase can be seen in every major geography in our data set. Desk use has increased even further from 33% to 48%, so a 15% increase. And one of the key reasons for this is that organizations are reducing their desk numbers in relation to um, reduced demand, resulting in a higher desk use percentage. 
And then on the topic of, of reduced demand, uh, a new question which we added into this third iteration of the index was whether in, uh, organizations were planning on consolidating or releasing office space as a reaction to the reduced attendance that they were seeing post-COVID. And 37%, so well over a third of organizations said that they were going to either reduce or, or consolidate space. Of those that are, only 11% are repurposing space for their own use, and the rest are trying to release the office space either by marketing for sublet or waiting for a lease break in order to move um, to a new premises and right size. So it's clear from our data that organisations are planning on reducing the amount of space that they have, with only a small proportion repurposing it for their own use. But of course, many don't yet have the opportunity to dispose of the surplus space. Here's Andrew again. I think many of them have just decided, well, we're just going to we're going to sit on it. Uh, it. It's within the books already. So um, we'll just sit on it. And when the leases expire, that's when we'll hand the keys back to the landlord and we'll do some work to work out what we need and where we need it and how much we need and what style it needs to be. And that's, uh, I think, what we're seeing. So, of course, those leases don't expire in one year. They, I mean, UK leases probably, an hour, I guess, an average lease now is about 10 years or something. In the US, it's probably a bit less. But those those leases are expiring every year. That's what gives rise to the opportunity to do something different. And um, a lot of companies are just being, you know, quite sort of benign in their uh, desire to try and monetize space, although, although there are some notable exceptions. Of course, this one will run and run during 2024 and beyond. And AWA will be keeping in tune with developments and, of course, continuing to run the hybrid working index. So what other standout topics have there been for Andrew in 23? I think the other, the other thing I think that has loomed largely there particularly is, is that 2030 is not that far away when you know the government is insisting on buildings becoming more energy efficient. And of course, there's a political debate in most countries about, about that. But I think that also is giving rise to some concern and a realisation that landlords... And to some degree, tenants are going to have to do something to get themselves in order for that. What are the things they can do? This is something that the AWA Institute tackled in September. It was all about making net zero part of organisational culture. And we covered this on the podcast too. Here's a clip from the episode where I talked to Richard Lupo, Managing Director of Shift Environment, about an organisation that had decided to put solar panels on all of their office buildings in the UK. You can do lots to reduce your electricity. And we had some great case study there of the um, solar panel rollout on all their properties. And the, my takeaway from that one, it was a three-year payback on the solar panels. That's, they've done really well there. I'd normally bank on a six-year, but three-year payback just goes to show what's possible on the electricity. I'm just wondering whether the ability to install solar panels on your building is restricted in terms of whether you own the building or whether you lease the building? Now, that I don't think there's any hard and fast rules in there. Now, it'd be based on the tenancies and what the agreement is and how it goes back. But there was some really good, interesting example about a way to negotiate yourself between the landlord and tenant. So, both parties benefit from that installation of the solar panel or any other investment kit. And I thought that was really uh, innovative myself because you've got the tenant 
they want to reduce their bills. You've got the landlord who doesn't want to touch their building for fear of it being broken. Yeah, it's uh, so I thought that was quite an innovative way to share the cost and benefits as well. I think that's such a great win-win. And I do hope we'll see more of these sorts of initiatives in the coming years. So having looked back on this year, I next asked Andrew what he thought organisations ought to be focused on, or at least keeping an eye on next year. Well, for sure, I think senior leaders in most organisations need to get themselves educated on AI. They need to not regard it as a technology. They should regard it as a business tool. They should start thinking now about what capabilities it has and what will it, will it have and how that might affect their business, both in terms of, as a, on a positive note, how can they deploy it? Um, and on a negative note, what impact it, will it have on them from a competitive situation? What will their competitors be doing with these technologies? And, you know, does that create for them a competitive threat? So I think that that is for sure. If, if you're in the world of work and you're thinking about that, um, I think there's also another component to it, and what, which is that, you know, what is the shape of, what are we going to see the shape of organisations being going forward as this stuff takes off? And, and also what's the footprint we're going to need? I mean, you know, it depends on who you listen to in the AI debate as to the impact that AI will have. I'm particularly clear that there will be some jobs that I think will just completely disappear. I think there will be some jobs where capacity is released and uh, the question will be whether that capacity can be can be used. You know, I think somebody could end up with half a job or have the ability to do twice as many things in their job if there are 20, twice as many things to do, if you see what I mean. So there are going to be those capacity type opportunities. And then I think there are technology, some of these tools is going to make people way more effective. They'll be able to do things way better than they've um, have, they'll have better information, they'll have better ideas to be able to make things happen faster. And they won't be doing all the dross type activities. And then I think there are going to be some complete game changing uh, technologies where people you know, put different components of AI technology together to create brand new capabilities that nobody's ever thought of. Um, getting your head around some of that, I think, is, uh, is is for sure some companies should be, well, all companies should be doing this year. I think also there are plenty of companies out there that haven't yet really got themselves in a place where they can be uh, highly successful in a hybrid model. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that we've been doing with our clients over the last couple of years, which is really just getting, first of all, getting clarity on the principles, clarity on the guidelines. And that doesn't mean telling everybody how many days they're going to be in the office. It's more about, you know, how are we now going to build relationships and maintain relationships when we are all dispersed? You know, how are we going to deal with difficult problems? How are we going to make sure everybody's got access to the right information? How are we going to make sure everybody keeps on top of what's going on? Um, you know, how are we going to make sure we're productive? So, so there are a lot of things. That, this gives you a brilliant opportunity to take a blank sheet of paper on a team-by-team -team basis within a structure to work out exactly what it is that you want your working arrangements to be in the future. And getting that clarity and upskilling leaders, making sure your leaders understand the things that now are more important when you're working in this kind of way, 
and learning proactively and kind of consciously, I think that is what a lot of companies are going to need to be be doing. Because I think if if you don't do those things, you know, you will see things getting a bit more difficult. You'll you know you'll see a bit of confusion here and there, maybe a bit of unfairness because manager A thinks it's okay to do things one way and manager B, who's doing the same things, you know, in the team. Is offering different opportunities for people to work. Towards ever thus. Towards ever thus. Towards ever thus before the pandemic. But I think a lot of companies weren't really doing this stuff. And so they didn't really understand that it was forever thus, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it's given us an opportunity to to set those sorts of guidelines yeah. in place, even though, you know, we could have done with them before. People just never, never got around to it, did they? No. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, the the thing that the pandemic did for me and, and post pandemic working does for me, it, if your leadership community are pretty good, then you're probably in a good place. If there are some fragility around that, then it shows up the cracks fairly quickly. And I think those those are the sorts of things. I mean, and then obviously, I mean, I think we've certainly seen this in the last 12 months, and I'm sure we'll see in the next 12 months, you know, the expiring of a lease, it can often be the catalyst for getting a lot of other things sorted out you know so if you're if you've got a lease expiring two three four years from now you've got to start thinking about well what is what is the world going to be then what are we going to need and if you do decide you're going to maintain or go beyond today's hybrid model you've got to be starting to think well how do i create an organizational capability that allows the entity to flourish uh, in this more dispersed model and of course the other thing the, the other thing i think we're, we're all seeing probably more of is that organizations probably like us and maybe not huge organizers are beginning to operate much more globally so the, the need to to build in a capability to operate and successfully on a global basis we're not just talking about working from home now is i think going to become a bigger deal issue as well and then the other one i think is you know this is this one comes and goes and sometimes we see disappointment in the way our politicians operate and all the rest of it but the net zero initiatives we see you know at the moment we've had the, the recent cop conference you know it you can understand why those countries that are heavily dependent on fossil fuels for their economic success, like Saudi Arabia. So you can see absolutely why they don't want to give it up. But the world can't allow too much of that. I mean, maybe there is a a role for fossil fuels, but it can't be on the same scale that it is now, unless those fossil fuels can be organised in such a way that they don't generate the carbon they generate now. Um, Even inside organisations, I mean, there's quite a lot we can do. We know that buildings are a big contributor to to carbon, as is commuting. But you know, they they pale into insignificance in 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 terms of the bigger the bigger story. But that doesn't mean we need we shouldn't be doing something about it. And I think um, you know that's consistent with the the government's 2030 strategy. But I think that that has to become much more a conscious movement by companies to to help their people live greener lives clock's ticking isn't it it is ticking i mean i mean these are all little things but i mean i think should companies get be, be stronger in educating their people about how they about all these matters should they support them in 
insulating their homes? You know, should they encourage them uh, to eat things which are going to create less methane, for instance? You know, we should, you know, all of those sorts of things. And there's a big question in my mind, should companies become more uh, influential in that? Whereas at the moment, I think a lot of companies, you know, do the things that they're kind of required to do, but they don't kind of don't go a lot further in a sense. Looking forward to 2024 again, what's AWA going to be focused on? What are we getting excited about for next year? Well, there are a number of things, that, uh, new initiatives that we're um, involved in this year. Um, of course, we'll be continuing to do our consulting work around the world, you know, workplace strategy work and, and change management. You know, there's plenty of that going on. We'll, you know, we'll continue to to try to um, support the globalization of what we're doing. Uh, and as you know, we, we opened up a company in India this year. We've got a number of contracts there. Um, helping organisations to transition to new models of working within their um, their real estate, and you know we've been doing a lot of work in the states on that as well, and in in Europe. So you know we're going to continue to do that. We will start to introduce some new things into our workplace strategy. Certainly, we've now built out some tools to assess organisations in relation to AI and the impact on jobs and and numbers and things. So that'll be an important um, focus for us. Uh, We're just about to launch the 2024-25 AWA Institute program, which is quite exciting and brings into place a whole pile of new things. We have three training programs. Uh, We have a health check that comes as part of the membership and we're running study groups, which are going to focus on very specific things, groups of eight or 10 companies working together through a, a sort of a guided learning program on topics that are in the in the area of exploration. So AI will be one, probably carbon will be another one. You know, there'll be a number of these things. And we'll start them when we've got organizations interested in doing them. But those those will be fun and they're going to be working through some stuff that people haven't worked through. So that's fun. And then, of course, we've got a number of um, face-to-face events uh, that we're going to be doing as well to, you know, to help people share their knowledge, as well as a series of webinars that will be um, globally accessible. So, yeah, quite a lot going on from that standpoint. Um, We might look at one or two new services, um, but at the moment we'll just stick with what we're we're really good at, and that is um, helping organizations really to to navigate the, the journey to new ways of thinking new ways of working and that's kind of what we've been doing and we'll keep doing it as long as we can so on that note we come to the end of 2023 and look forward to the opportunities and challenges that await us all in 2024 my thanks to andrew for sharing his thoughts about this year and next and also i'd like to thank all the guests that came onto the DNA of Work podcast this year. All of them helped us make the show a place where people can hear thought-provoking ideas and insights. And my final thanks go to you for listening. And if you shared the show with someone else, thank you for doing that too. Recommendation continues to be the best way to grow a podcast audience. I look forward to your company in 2024 as we continue to explore the changing world of work. It's in our DNA. 
If you'd like to hear future episodes of The DNA of Work, just follow or like the show. You can contact us on our website, advanced-workplace.com. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Goodbye.